Hey folks, Jeff Salzman here, and welcome to another episode of The Shrink and the Pundit, where I, Jeff, the pundit, talk to my old pal, Dr. Keith Witt, the shrink, about all things integral. Or maybe better put, we talk about all things through the lens of integral theory, right? There you go. Yeah. That's it. That's exactly yeah. it. Through the, 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 which posits that consciousness and culture evolve. So we're yes. looking at everything through that lens. That's right. Something like that. Well, today we're going to talk about um, two topics, actually, uh, that are up in the culture big time. Uh, and they're both really fraught with all kinds of implications. And I think really integral helps us to sort it out. Mm -hmm. and, and the two topics are gender fluidity and abortion. So, well, let's start with gender fluidity, Keith. Put something on the table and let's go from there. One of the reasons I was looking forward to this is there's three sets of perspectives that all intersect, but they're, they, all, they all have different emphasis. I mean, one is, is how does this all fit in with the evolution of consciousness and culture and stuff? Um, second, this is clearly part of um, a political process that is is getting is getting scarier and scarier for uh, progressives. I mean, I, I guess it's scarier for conservatives too. It's hard to to say. Well, well um, let me just stop to differentiate that. Yeah. How would you see this? Uh, you know, what would we call it? An awakening and of gender fluidity, or the further evolution of sex roles, uh, how would you see that as, as um, threatening to progressives? Or? Well, what's, what's threatening to progressives is the idea that, and, and incredibly um, provocative, um, one, the idea that one group of people would, would actively attack parents and clinicians and kids trying to find a way through a very difficult area. I mean, that just, that, you know, green has such antibodies to that, okay? And so that lights a lot of um, outrage and distress and so on. And then um, the, the very real fear that the green has of fascism, that the, the, the wider the swing, you know, we get, I get, I admit it, I get all happy when the culture swings over towards, yeah, you know, we're going to, we're going to take care of everybody. We're going to have, and we're going to have generative capitalism and we're going to have tr people paying attention to the beautiful, good and true. And, you know, everybody will be world centric. So I get all relaxed and happy over on that end, but it swings over to the other end and it gets, it's like, it's getting closer to fascism and fascism freezes a culture. So what happens in fascism is first somebody takes over, then they attack some subpopulation, you know, Jews, gays, hippies, you know, whatever. Then they somehow get enough of the power structure to, to, and the people to sign on to those attacks that everybody gets all excited about, about um, marginalizing and attacking some group. And then as that, as that progresses, it turns into aggression outward to other groups and other countries. 
And then it results in eventually some kind of external constraint. Um, somehow people do, who don't want to be invaded or don't want to have, you know, the, their transgender people locked up or something will push back, kind of like the world's pushing back on Putin right now. And so we've seen this endlessly throughout human history. Now, one great thing about evolution is the current incarnation of that in the world is way less violent than it used to be, even though we have a World War II type war going on in Ukraine. But it's, it's scary. And, and I mean, I don't know if it's possible that there could be a real fascist takeover of the United States. I doubt it. Yeah. I mean, but when it gets closer over there, then, then green gets, and teal, I mean, gets scared. So there's that part of it. So there's, there, there's that part of it. There's the anger that you feel when people are being sacrificed for a political gain. It, it, you know, it makes me want to cry. Uh, and then there's kind of my wheelhouse, which is I want to understand and help people. The understanding and helping people part of gender is, is pretty great right now in a lot of ways. Great. Uh, no, great. Great. It's, okay. In yeah. terms of just the state of the knowledge and the sophistication of practitioners and the, the level of permission on, a, on, the, on cultural levels in a lot of cultural enclaves, uh, kind of, it's never been better. And I'll, I'll give you, let me explain. So baby's born, right? Okay. So baby doesn't know whether it's a boy or a girl, but it, it's assigned. A, a gender, you know, boy or girl. At 14 months, a little kid discovers whether they're a boy and a girl about. You know, they start realizing there's a difference. Okay, they grow into that difference with all the cultural baggage and the physiological genetic, you know, imperatives of being a boy or a girl. And then three, four, five, six, whatever, they get more or less comfortable with the gender assignment they have. And with a certain percentage, tiny percentage, somewhere between 1% and 2%, uh, or 0.6% and maybe 1.8% of the population, um, they go, wait a minute, I don't want to, I'm not really a boy, I'm a girl. I'm not really a girl, I'm a boy. Um, so historically, it's, this has not been a very great thing for little kids discovering this, okay? Um, so historically, mostly, if a kid starts going in this direction, they get, they get slammed so by the patriarchy and, because patriarchy hates this. Last 50 or 60 years, 70 years, things have been changing. Um, now, parents take this seriously, a, a lot of parents. There was one study on 317 kids who, um, on an average age of six and a half, they socially transitioned into the other sex. By socially transition, you know, the girls wore boy stuff and did boy stuff, and the, and the boys wore girl stuff to girl stuff. And these kids were, were followed. Then they were upper middle class kids. Two-thirds of them were white. I mean, you know, it was, it was a skewed sample. Two-thirds were boys, boys to girls. And they followed them for five years. Five years later, 98% of them liked the new gender that they'd chosen. It was a stable phenomenon. Okay? And also, they were doing well. They were psychologically healthy. They were in supportive families. Of the two and a half percent that changed their minds, I think eight, there was eight kids, like three or four changed their minds. Parents said, sure, fine, change your mind, go back. And they went back and they, 
apparently no psychological distress. And two or three of the kids says, we want to be non-binarians. And the parents said, sure. Now they're going to follow these kids another 20 years and we'll see. But the, the beauty of this particular study is it shows that if a human being decides that they want to be another gender and they, they start doing it at this particular age, um, it seems to work out pretty well. Uh, with, with adolescents, uh, there's a lot of adolescents that decide, and adolescence is 9 to 23, okay? Puberty is, is three years in their beginning. The adolescence is a long time. With adolescents, the, the kids that, that self-identify as transgender, there was a study on 19, of 19 schools, and 1.8% of the kids identified as transgender, which, which amazed the researchers. They thought at most it would be 0.6%. It was three times higher than they thought, two and a half times higher than they thought it would be. And part of that is, and I've been noticing this with, with teenagers I've been working with, and, and with uh, parents, it's a lot more socially acceptable for a kid to be trans, bi, or, or gender fluid. It's, it's actually in some schools, it's kind of like a cool thing, which, I mean, coming from the 50s and the 60s, this is, this is like, whoa, this is like Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's court, court territory in terms of a, a cultural shift. And there's been a lot of people that have worked with these kids. Um, there's one psychologist, um, Andy Anderson, who transitioned herself when she was 57. And she's worked with lots and lots of these kids. And these kids will go to clinics. In 2007, there was one clinic in the United States that helped these kids transition. Now there's 60 of them. Okay? And there's a whole culture now. There's a world organization, a U.S. organization for transgender health and and there's controversy in that, uh, you know, the people on, the, on the, the extreme end of that say, why should kids have to be psychologically evaluated to transition? You don't have to be psychologically evaluated to be straight. Well, that's kind of a good point. But practically speaking, you know, if a teenager says, I want to, you know, yesterday I was fine being a boy and now today I want to be a girl, you probably want to slow it down a little bit and kind of evaluate that. Um, and Annie Anderson works in San Francisco. She said that, that recently there have been, interestingly, a lot of um, uh, female to male uh, uh, girls, teenagers, who have, who have other issues, anxiety, depression, uh, autism, who had decide suddenly in a way that they want to transition. And um, Andy Anderson is fine with kids transitioning, but says, hey, you know, let's take some time with these kids. You know, let's work with them, you know, maybe let them say, encourage them to socially transition, but let's slow down on the hormones and the surgery. Now, the transition part involves first the social transition, you know, wear clothes, self-identify. Second, a hormonal treatments that, that shift your development or, or the shift your bio, body's biochemistry more towards the other gender. Um, then there's uh, surgery that makes you look more like what you want to do. You know, if I wanted to transition today, I would want to get rid of my Adam's apple and maybe have breasts and, and that kind of stuff. And then sometimes sexual reassignment surgery where you turn penises into vaginas and vaginas into penises. And uh, the World Organization says we don't think you should start a hormone treatment until 14 or or do chest surgery until 15, or do gender reassignment until 17, and the kids should be evaluated. Okay. 
And there's some controversy there. There's one person in England who got pissed off at 23 that she had been helped by this clinic to transition. She said she wasn't adequately evaluated. And, and so this is a genuine um, um, controversy in the, um, the community, the trans community. But ever, generally, everybody is going, sure, we're, we're for people being the gender that, that they want to be in. Well, yeah. Let me let me just stop there because it's because that you know that's I have to say you know that a lot of what you were saying here, and, and I'll take the position of the horrified person on the right is sure. horrifying. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. You know, just horrifying. Mm -hmm. This idea, and I think it's I think it's actually part of the pernicious, maybe even part of the patriarchy. The idea that if I'm not a girl, I have to be a boy. Yeah, you have to have a mastectomy. No, maybe, but the, the social contagion of this right now is very frightening. The, the idea of making becoming a medical case for the rest of your life, basically, especially with these bottom surgeries. That's true. Um, and with the hormones, I mean, I think this is this is at the level of lobotomies. I think we're going to look back on this as at the level of lobotomies when it's completely unnecessary. Why don't you just be you? When I was a kid growing up in the Steel Valley, I was a little gay kid. I absolutely wanted to play with the girls. I wasn't allowed, I didn't, I did my best with the boys, but I would have played with the girls. If that was, would have been okay, that would have been, I think I would be a better person today. Yeah. That was, was able to happen to me. Mm -hmm. uh, and I do think that this is where I'm all in on, Every little kid gets to be, you know, who he is, or she is, or it is, or, you know, whatever. They, uh, but they I, is very but popular. the other thing is, they you know, this idea of kids don't know who they are, and they're, they're assigned a gender. They also have penises and vaginas and, 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 and chromosomes. Yeah. And um, let's factor that in. I just want to factor that in. Uh, well, and well, so th this is, uh, you know, this is my sort of blowback to some of, you know, what you're, how you're putting it, Keith, I got to say. Well, great. Okay, good, good. So, so let's dive into that a little bit, okay? Uh, I'm, I go, okay, what creates the happiest, healthiest human beings? And, you know, and what do we do about this and other sexual things to create happy, healthy human beings? You know, where's the data about that? Well... One great thing about the, the cornucopia of knowledge, I think you mentioned eight or nine years ago, what the Wolkowski's yeah. The law of the infinite cornucopia. The law of the infinite cornucopia. I have quoted you so many times on that. Anyway. It, it, just what it is, in case people don't know. Oh, good point. It's this it's idea put forth by this philosopher in the 70s that um, at, at this point in our American, or in, in human history, there is so much information available to us that we can make whatever argument we want to make for whatever reason we want to make it. And we would have data and stuff. We have dots to connect to make that work. That's and, true. Now, that being said, there, are, there is really good data about how you educate children, and education is a, is a weak word, how you help children develop psychosexually. And there's, there's really good data about a way of developing them psychosexually where they have way more problems and a way of helping them develop psychosexually where they have way fewer problems um, throughout life. And we have two great examples of that in the Netherlands and in the United States. 
It's so. Okay, good. 70, Seventy years ago, the Netherlands said, "Hey, look, let's put let's put psychologists in charge of of uh, sex education." I mean, why not? I mean, this has to be their area and everything. I mean, I got to admit, as a psychologist, I'm going, well, finally, somebody's giving us just a little love, okay? I, I, I just feel the redneck in me say, what? Yeah. <laughs> Give this to psychologists? Are you kidding me? Like, Are you kidding me? And, in and in 1981, Jeremiah Denton and Orrin Hatch proposed the Adolescent Family Life Act of 1981, that mandated abstinence-based education, sex education in the United States to basically said, you have to do propaganda to these kids to get them to not have sex. You can't talk about masturbation or contraception or abortion. All you gotta do, you can tell them the biology and then say, don't do it, okay? So we have two different systems, all right? Okay, so let's, now the, the, the Dutch system, because it can grow because it's not frozen. Dutch system has grew. You know, they, so they started teaching four and five and six-year-olds about the birds and the bees and about, you know, being sex positive. And, you know, you can play with your friends as long as it's all consensual and everything. And then third graders, they told them about how, you, how to be nice to your crush. And then when they got to sixth and seventh grade, they told them about gender stuff and, you know, and gender fluidity and, and homosexuality and, and lesbian and, you know, all that stuff. And, and when, when's, what kind of sex do you like? And when was a good time to do it? And, and then when they're teen and the parents are involved on this at every level. And then when they're teenagers and they have, some, they have somebody that they care about, uh, the family knows about it. You know, that if they want to have sex, they do it in, in the open. Um, and, and generally, and then in the United States, all abstinence-based, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, U.S. kids and Dutch kids start having sex around 17 or 18. Okay, there's the only similarity. Now, the United States kids, they have five times more abortions, five times more teen pregnancies. Um, if you take all the kids under 24 in the United States, that's 50% of the new S STIs, sexually transmitted illnesses. You take those kids in, in, in uh, uh, the Netherlands, that's 10%. Um, the, the kids in, in the Netherlands say, my first sexual experience was somebody I cared a lot about and it was great. United States, it was hurried, I regretted it afterwards, 50% of it, usually drugs or alcohol were involved. Um, in other words, conspicuous success over here in the Netherlands, abysmal, dismal failure, you know, God bless Barack Obama. Barack Obama started a program to stop teens pregnancy that, that borrowed from the Netherlands, okay? All right, so teen pregnancy went down dramatically during those eight years. Okay, as soon as Trump got elected, he told all those people, no, we're back to 1981, abstinence-based, and teen pregnancy skyrocketed, okay? Went up. Not true. I need statistics to bear that one out. Sure. I mean, that, that, uh, okay. that uh, yeah, that, uh, I mean, my understanding is teen pregnancies are down, just period. And, you know, I don't know why tr Trump being elected would skyrocket them, honestly. Well, because okay. I don't remember skyrocketing, anything about it. And also, was an the abstinence thing, it's like these people were fighting against the onslaught of post-modernity, these poor people in Utah, and, mm -hmm. and you know, and they still are, you know. Oh, yeah. 
and, um, and so, first of all, I understand where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. Secondly, I all for the sex permissive. I think the Scandinavian system is way better. I think being sex positive for kids as they grow up, being gender supportive. Uh, I draw the line at medical intervention, unless maybe an extreme case. I don't know. But, um, and then also this idea that things get frozen. No, they're not. I mean, look at the attitudes in Utah versus now versus, you know, 50 years ago. So that's, that's the thing that is, that is the most validating to me as an evolutionary. Yes. I mean, what's most validating to me, even everything that happens that's bad, that's happened before, including you know, the internal corruption of the empire and everything, is happening less violently and more out in the open than it ever did before. And I'm excited about that. But I want to make one comment about the biology stuff, okay? <laughs> okay. Look, the way that this works is there's a kid who says, I want to be a girl, okay? And so he talks to his parents. They take him to a therapist who's sex-positive therapist. They go, okay, well, let's talk about it. So they, they work on it, and, 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 you know, so this is consistent. The kid doesn't have any other psychological problems. Um, the kid is distressed by the, 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 the emergent um, uh, uh, secondary sex characteristics. Um, and so the parents consult with uh, a clinic. Um, and the kids goes, okay, you know, I'm, I've been socially transitioned for a couple of years. Now I'm going to do hormone replacement, which is generally reversible, though there are a couple of side effects, okay? Now, I think probably when, now I've worked with families who've done this, okay? I'm sure and, you and, have. And generally, and with kids who want to do this, mm-hmm. and generally the, 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 play, the place where it plays out, at least in Santa Barbara, is the parents go, you can, it's fine with us if you socially transition. It's fine with us um, um, if you look into the possibilities. But in general, they, they wait until the kid's 18 and, and go, okay, now if you're still convinced and you want to do what you, you do, and, and you've been evaluated and, um, and consistent and taking care of other stuff, you can make that decision and we will support you, okay? Um, the fact that the world um, uh, uh, trans group says 14 for hormones and 15 for top surgery and 17 as minimums, means that they recognize that there's some times when families and clinicians and, and doctors get together and go, this kid really wants to transition. And so he's the exception or she's the exception. Um, in fact, Annie Anderson, the person that I like so much, got in a lot of trouble with that organization because she said these, these girls that want to transition into boys, they just discovered it a couple of months ago and so on. She says, we should not rush into anything bio- biological with them until there's been a, a, a long, there's been a, a series of engagement with them, both with the trans community and with, and with like at a minimum. I mean, I, I, you know, the idea that there is one detransitioner is crazy. There's transition, there's, I don't know how many detransitioners, but there's a big detransitioner group on Reddit that I think it's 10,000 people. And these are people who have horrible stories about the psychological contagion of this trans ideology that I get the fruitfulness of it. That's why I did my podcast, Fruitful and Fanatic, like everything, like every history, it's fruitful and fanatic. And there's data that supports that, Jeff. 
that supports um, what? It supports the fact that, that as the culture says it's fine to be yeah. gender fluid it be, and it becomes fashionable, kids who are incredibly influenced by other kids will start leaning into, well, I'm bisexual, I'm gender fluid. Yes. Now, as long as you're not doing biochemical or surgical interventions, go. Yes. And, I, I, and I would argue that if, if there really was a, a sex positive, you know, you, welcome to the world of everything, kid. You know, That's true. That, That's true. That, that kid wouldn't necessarily say, I want to be a girl. What he would say would be, I want to play with dolls. That's me. I didn't want, I didn't think about being a girl. I, I like my penis, you know, uh, but I wanted to do things with the girls. I wanted to be pretty. I wanted to wear dresses. I did. I did. And if I had been allowed, I wouldn't, I'm not sure I would have wanted to actually surgically transition. Again, I think this is a, a hangover from the patriarchy or basically human history where sex roles were, you know, male and female. It's that polarity even of masculine and feminine. Well, I, I'm aware of that, but, but be aware, at, as you talk, there's a subtext of, I want to take choices away from certain people, okay? Now, I believe that in the field right now, there's a, it, it's, it's a, at least for the serious, for the, you know, the psychologists, for the, the people who work with people, the practitioners, okay, of, of extreme conservatism. Um, and so I'm, I'm all for socially transition, try whatever you want and, and decide what you want, but let's, let's slow down on the biological interventions. But I know that there's infinite variability with people and, and I don't think that taking that choice away from kids and parents and professionals and doctors who are spending a lot of time working in this field and figuring this stuff out and saying once in a while there's a teenager where it makes sense for them mm -hmm. to transition, yep. taking away those choices because you have a position of, well, I, I wouldn't want to get rid of my penis or I don't want to get no, rid of my edge. No, totally, Keith, you're totally right. And I don't mean to uh, imply that subtext. I do yeah, think that there's a zone of choice and privacy that um, people ought to have. I do think that um, there, it's just the, you know, the nature of evolution. There's this, you know, this realization of gender fluidity and it becomes an ideology that has to be used to explain the world and um and, and it doesn't even realize its own gender binaries you know that i'm with is, you on that i really that is, am. you know we need to notice that and and that you know any kid that is going to you know take this seriously in terms of the medical again yeah yeah it, it ought to read uh, you know a, a bunch of detransitioner stories and youtubes there's there's I don't know, but I want to say thousands. There's certainly more than I could watch. Well, the, a high bar is great. Yes. You know? yeah. A high bar, sure, keep the yeah. bar super, and especially keep the bar high for kids under 18. Yeah. Now, and also part of that high bar is exactly what you're talking about. Be educated. You know, look at, yes. read the stories of people that had a horrible time with it as well as, as the other stories and talk to experts about it and explore your own development Absolutely. and all that stuff. Yeah. And, and in the meantime, be who you are. And, and, um, and I think every kid, act, I don't know every kid, you know, there's probably just these males and females that, come, you know, come out and that's who they are. But I think every kid would benefit from playing around. For Christ's sake, kids now, they're going to live to be 140. 
you know, that you expect them to be one sex that whole time? No. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, mean, also, I, I think this is, you know, we're going to be, our grandchildren are going to be as different from us as we are from our grandparents. And I, I think that's a whole, we don't even know what that looks like. Absolutely. Second of on that now, pulling this into everything, um, uh, at, if it, when, when it hits over into like not letting women have abortions, okay? Mm-hmm. And now argument, interestingly, of all the conservative, you know, dog whistles, this is the one that I kind of, I kind of have the most empathy for. Right. I mean, I am absolutely for a lot, uh, women having the right to choose. Becky chose to have an abortion when she got pregnant in her, in her 40s. You know, and I had to go with her and scare away, you know, some asshole who was standing outside, you know, wanting to intimidate her. Okay. Um, but you know what? As soon as the egg is fertilized, it's a little human being. You know, I'm sorry. I'm not going to do any, you know, I'm not going to bullshit about that. And so am I saying, I think women should have a right to murder a fetus. Yeah, I think they should have that right. Do I think they should have a right to mur- murder a kid after after the 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 second trimester or, or the even the first trimester unless there's some big problem? No, I don't. And you know what? That's totally an irrational position. So, well, I'd say it's a post-rational position, actually, Keith. And oh, I totally agree with you. I think it's a trans-rational position because okay. there is a certain, uh, you know, what comes on with rationality and modernity is that. There has to be, it's, and, and I think the Supreme Court has basically gotten it right so far. And that is that there's just this zone of privacy that we have to give each other in these moral situations. I see a baby at fertilization. They don't see a baby at fertilization. We can't colonize each other. We just have to sort of have a willful blindness about it and let each other do their thing. Same with pornography, same with contraception, same with, you know, relationships, gay, gay marriage, all of that, that's all protected by that reading of the Constitution. And I think that's been relatively good. I'm not sure that there is an evolution beyond that in the sense that um, I'm not, I think that one of the things that has happened in terms of cultural evolution around this issue of abortion, conception, and so forth, is um, I think people are more aware of the humanity of the fetus than they used to be. I mean, I remember in the 70s when abortion was made legal, it was like I I helped a couple of my girlfriends get abortions. I didn't think anything of it. They didn't really either. And, um, and, And I'm not sure that's great. I think there's more, you know, in terms of the evolution of consciousness, it's just like, what do you include? You know, how much bigger can you go and include? And there's an inclusion of the, uh, the, this developing human that's new and, and it's self-developing. Becky said she felt like there was a soul leaving her body. Yes, yes, yes. You know, and and so we, you know, we did ceremony around it, uh, around that. And and I do think that there's another, that there is another level of development. And personally, weirdly, I think that 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 level of development is, it kind of reflects something that David Brooks wrote in a a recent um, op-ed. I don't know, not an op-ed, he's he's a, he's in an article he wrote. Where he said that that yeah it's good for for us to have individual rights but we should have some common values and standards. And for instance, 
I think it should be a common value and standard that everybody over 18 vote in this country. I think that that, that, that everyone who is over 18 has, should have feel a responsibility to vote. Did I just read that vote. Australia requires somebody, some one of the you know developed countries requires everybody to vote? I think it's Australia. I mean, it's a thing, I think. Yeah, but I, I'm with you. Okay, so that's that's a common that's a, that's a shared standard. Um, I think another shared shared standard is um, that 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 everyone we have it in California. Everyone needs to participate when there's an environmental problem that we all share. So everyone in California has had to cut down on our water usage over the last 10 years. Everybody. And you know, to a large extent, everybody says, we understand we're participating in that. Um, uh, now, we don't have quite the same with carbon emissions. You know, conservatives now are, are in certain states, are uh, punishing companies for um, uh, for having uh, low carbon uh, standards and so on. Um, so, you know, that's become something, but I think eventually a shared standard of we want to reduce the carbon in, in, in the, the greenhouse gases and support the, 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 um, the change in human climate change. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, uh, plastic, we all want to get the plastic out of the ocean. Yes. Um, we, all want, we all want children um, to be respected and cherished and not abused or neglected. You know, these are all shared standards, I think, of that, that as we evolve, there's a point where we can be, feel united as Americans with all these democracy, um, a shared standard of, of, of having a democratic system. Uh, yeah. So, so I think that's the next level beyond this, this individual right thing that has been expanding with the liberation movement. Yeah, no, I, I, I think you're right. And I, I sometimes ponder it, you know, how, what's this going to look like? And it's funny because I was thinking about, you know, as we integrate this, this idea of a woman's rights, of just a human right to privacy in some of these areas, yeah. and also this, you know, re-enchanted world where, you know, life is precious and life is, there's a spark there and there, there is every, you know, um, uh, chromosome is there, you know, and, 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 you know, there's a destiny and, and to honor that. So I was thinking, well, maybe at some point we would have, um, you know, there would be, uh, Gloria Steinem talked about if, if uh, abortion, if men had abortions or men got pregnant, abortion would be a sacrament. Well, how about this? But I'm how saying about... that it would be a sacrament, actually, that there would be what Becky did, which is just an acknowledgement of it, you know, and, a, how... and a, you know, something that's not just cutting this out of my body. And well, well, first not, of all, not regarding that humanity there. Well, let's talk about that for just a second, because there's two things about that that, that, that stand out to me. One, um, all the anti-abortion stuff has been they help, they help a woman, like a 15-year-old or 16-year-old, have a baby, and then they go, hey, bye. She goes, now what do I do? I know, I know. Okay, so how about if, if we're going to encourage women to have, a, a, one thing we can agree on is babies should be taken care of. Yep. And so if somebody has a baby and they can't, take, they can't adequately take care of it, that we give them the society's support so that that baby has a nurturing environment within a low-stress environment. The second thing now that we have genetic testing, is to make, if a woman has a baby, whoever fathered that baby now has, 
has for the next 18 years has fiduciary responsibility to support that child. Okay. Now, if that was put into law, which is totally fine, there's two parents, right? He had to decide to have the orgasm inside her, right? If he's just is that a decision. <laughs> well, oh, we're getting phenomenological here. Keith and Jeff start getting phenomenological about their orgasms. <laughs> yeah, we're over on the left quadrants now. Okay. Anyway, so so say that say that became the law of the land. Okay. Well, I I wonder if if the attitudes towards abortion would begin to shift a little bit, if. And also towards towards responsibility about birth control begin to shift a little bit if she can show a genetic test and then you're on on the hook for 18 years of paying the costs of raising a child. Yeah. Okay. Not to mention psychological in, engagement as a kid's father. Yeah. Well, I I think you're right on in, in, in all of that actually. I, I you know what I would add to it is you know we're going to evolve culture is going to evolve if we're right about the move you know the further cultural movement into green mm -hmm. uh you know which we're, we're you know orange green so we're more more fluid more fluorescently green that's going to be more communal uh, so it's this idea you know what you're talking about well, some of the scandinavian countries are already there mm -hmm. and and but it's this idea that all kids are our kids this is actually an early stage thing that's brought forward in, in tribal cultures. The kids are often communally raised. So this is so, a re-enchantment, re Jeff. It this is, it is. So yes, exactly. So these kids are precious. No, no kid goes hungry. Every kid's materially cared for one way or the other, even if their parents are dopes. Yeah. And protected from abuse and, and protected, yeah, all, yeah, all of that good stuff. And and you know, there has been prog huge progress in that. When oh, I yeah. think of how I was raised, and, and not me personally, but kids around me abused and so forth. Um, so the and that this I, that adoption would just be more, you know, just it would just be more prevalent, you know, because people want kids and and maybe. You know, it's you realize at some point I want to raise a kid and I want to have a kid and um, you know I'm, I have I have what it takes to raise a kid. You you don't want to necessarily have your own kid. I mean, I just think that we will be surprised at some of the ways that this moral evolution continues. I agree, yeah. and we've seen it already. We've seen it with my two daddies and my two mommies. Yes, you know, we've yes. seen that. We've seen it with 26% of the kids in schools have a single parent. Yes. Um, um, and, uh, and also there's been somewhat more help for single mothers, but they're still the most poverty stricken group in the country. Totally, no. Which, which you know, but, and, and so it's easy, you know, for, I, for me, it's easy to look at, at the things that are going wrong. Um, I, the, it, 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 well, you're feels, a little more in the trenches too, Keith. You yeah, know, I have to sit here and think. You have to actually deal with people who are in crisis all day long, that's, man. That's tr that's true. Not not that my clients are in, all in crisis. I mean, oh, generally, generally, beautiful. generally, after people start working with me, they're really progressively less in tr crisis. I mean, that's that's part that's of idea. it. I said that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I I worry less about the people that I'm working with and more about you know everybody else, myself. And because uh, you yeah, know, I'm yeah, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but yeah, culture at large. 
But uh, so I would also then, you know, so I'm thinking about, you know, how does, what's that next stage of moral development where this, you know, both of these things are taken into account, the humanity of both. And then I think, so how do we progress politically, you know? Um, and I'm not so sure that, um, it, that it won't be fruitful. It will be definitely fraught and full of fighting. Yeah. But for states to do their thing. And, you know, um, that that is the way, see, right now, there is a whole contingent of people who, so much of this is performative, you know, where these anti-abortion, wearing guns on their thighs, you know, that kind of thing, where they just, they just want it their way. And also, I would say that's also true of the left with the gender performative, the performative nature of gender fluidity. Yeah, in your face. That is calculated to exactly calculated to offend the other side. Exactly. Yeah. So you know this umbrella, this fifty states thing. We we we, developmentally, you know, we have about half the population is traditional modern, and you know, red traditional modern even, and half the population is you know Scandinavia. If we were just the top half of the United States, we'd be Scandinavia. I agree with that, I, but, but there's a problem with it, okay? And maybe it's an inevitable problem, okay? It's like these, the, the 25 states that, that have capacity laws that the legislature can overturn the electors if there's some problem. Oh. Okay, so, all right, so they do that, and then there's an election, and then some state tries to do it, but everybody's super meticulous about votes now because, you know, everybody got all paranoid because, uh, and you know, Republicans are the ones that are much more likely to cheat anyway. So, okay, so it goes to the Supreme Court. I don't even think, I don't think this Supreme Court is going to allow, I don't know, Arkansas or Missouri or whatever, um, to overturn without credible evidence of any kind of voter fraud, which there won't be. I think this, it'll stop there, okay? Yeah. And, and so let's talk about that with, with this, with, with gender stuff. Can I just talk about that regarding oh, of that issue? Too, because yeah. I, I think um, you're, you're touching on something that re- integral really helps us with. It's like, you know, I mean, a center of gravity modern country is not going to just become fascistic. There's just too many things that are playing against that, including, well, the Supreme Court's one of them, as you just said. The yeah. other one is Georgia just reelected Brad Raffensperger. I know. The, the guy who was the nemesis of Donald Trump and wouldn't recount the votes. They just reelected him. up to the president. That yes. guy, a, rep- a conformist Republican, stood up to the president. Yes. What guy? I trust the center of gravity of individual people, you know, that they're not going to come up and hit me if they're mad at me, you know, for yeah. instance. Uh, and also cultures, you know, are there extraordinary events where, a, you know, a, a meteor hits or Russia invades you or, you know, yeah. you're attacked in a dark alley? Yes. And earlier stuff is called for. Uh, but, you know, yeah. I can, we can we can trust the centers of gravity of consciousness and culture. I, th- I think we can. I, I, I'm hoping we can in countries where it becomes deeply embedded in the unconscious. I'm looking at Poland now and Turkey that are shifting towards fascism. 
Um, they might make it all the way. Certainly Russia did. They had an election way, way back in the 90s. It was a real election. And it's been towards... So I think, I think that's true. Um, the, the, the thing that bothers me... Now, one of the other good things about states is that this is one of the reasons that Europe developed so quickly. You know, guns, germs, and steel. You know, all the conf did, where did the technological uh, advances come most frequently? Musical instruments and weapons. Um, oh, uh, and so it, the, the, the rubbing together, you know, that friction creates new ideas. What's hard for me, and it might be inevitable, is that the states that, that take away a woman's right to choose, or they take away parents and kids and, and medical people's rights to do what, the, what seems right for that particular kid, um, that don't all, only less than 50% of high schools and less than 20% of junior high schools hit the 16 sex therapy topics that the CDC says we should hit. And so what, the, what does that mean? That means there's going to be a lot more sexual assaults, and there's going to be more VD, and there's going to be a lot more uh, teen pregnancies and abortions, and there's just going to be a lot of more suicides, and there's going to be a lot of of, of there's going to be a lot of suffering, and you know I, I I don't I don't ever want to normalize anybody's suffering. I don't want to normalize one person on this planet. No. I don't want to normalize, you know, we've been doing business with China and there have been, there've been absolutely no sanction in China for Tibet and the Uyghurs. We've normalized the fact that China can engage in cultural genocide. Um, that's not okay with me. Um, yeah. And so maybe that's just, an, that's, and you know, evolution is not a kind thing. No, no, no. You know, and I, I, I don't want to sound condescending, but God bless you. You know, bless your heart, Keith. I mean, because I too, I'm with you on, I want it to be a better world where everybody gets to be who they are and everybody's takes care of each other. And we live in harmony with the planet and maybe even God. There you go. <laughs> or, you know, emergence at least, you know, the frisky dirt, dirt got up and wrote poetry. Yeah. Uh, something going on there that we want to be in. Re in frisky in, dirt, in, boy, I... Remember that? It's a, oh, yeah. one of Ken's great lines is, you know, this materialist view of the dirt is basically that a materialist view of the world, which is the modern view, is the idea of frisky dirt. You know, that would be a good book. Hydrogen someday. atoms became us for some reason. That would, that would be a good book. <laughs> good book one day would be a thousand of, of Ken's best sayings. Because yeah. he has a million of those, That's right? a good one. There's just one after the other. That would be... That would be fun. That would be that would be a fun book. I don't know. Yeah. Somebody would else would have to do it. Ken would never do that for himself because you know you can't <laughs> you can't see your own best aphorisms. You know, every somebody else has to see it from the I know, outside. I so many. There's so many. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I guess what one of the things I was going to respond to is that um, you know there's both the traditionalists and postmodernists. Okay, if we're going to do so, there's moderates in between the three big worldviews that are in contention right now. Uh, the traditionalists see a suffering in postmodernity that they are allergic to, or they they, they don't want their kids. You know, they they see That's uh, right. and also modernity. I mean, they don't want their kids to be, grow up not believing in God, 
or to be secular or to be gender fluid for that matter. They, you know, they also don't want their kids, too. they don't want their kids to know about the ugliness of the world before their adolescence. They, they believe that kids should be protected from and indoctrinated, violence. Yeah. you know, and indoctrinated to their culture, their religion. I mean, that's conformist. That's conformist worldview. That, that is the center of gravity. We talk about the center of gravity of the culture. That's the center of gravity of several states mm -hmm. and certainly several parts of, you know, of, of many states. Uh, I'm not sure we don't let them be, let them do their thing. You know, especially well, in a world where there is an umbrella intelligence and consciousness of social media, of tremendous wealth, you know, so that if there's an underground railroad that need an over, it'd be an overground railroad. It's like, you know, and at some point there's just going to be, we're just going to be fighting these worldviews out. That's right. You know, we just are. There's no way. The, 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 you and I talk about this all the time. The, other side of that is we friend our way through these things. We just keep, you know, in each other's hair. We learn about each other. And the whole, this, you know, this, so we have these, the pendulum swings, but we have the clock moving. The, 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 there is the whole thing is moving towards goodness, truth, and beauty, I think. I agree, though there's another variable that I want to put into those three <laughs> worldviews, okay? okay? Yeah. The other variable is that um, uh, red consciousness, pathological red consciousness, um, exploits um, uh, amber and orange to gain leadership and power roles. I would say that's true, and I would include green with that. Red infects all three. I, I think it does, but I think green has more antibodies to... Not if you look at the militant, um, you know, lefties you know yeah on now, come on the militant lefties are basically limp militants and the militant righties are scary as hell okay oh oh well that's uh the view from the left uh, I'll, I'll give you that how many how many left how many left-wing people have shot anybody in the last 20 years that, that you and i know about i really can't think of one okay again okay? well, one i, really you know, I can think of hundreds where where right-wing People, oh, no, people. There's no question that um, the the you know the the right wing political violence the political violence is primarily right wing right now. It was I would point out primarily left wing in the 60s. That's right. That's uh, but, right. Uh, you know you're right. Uh, that's uh, also I mean, I, we can notice that. I mean I know CEOs that. CEOs have three times I represent. If you take all the CEOs, there's three times more psychopaths in CEOs than in other professions, okay? If you took politicians, I suspect if, if you could actually measure it, they're never going to let you do it. There would be five or ten times more psychopaths yeah. in the general population. How could there not be? I mean, That's look at what they have to deal with. That's really and what if they cared about what other people felt and thought? That's a good I point. mean, they have to get nothing done. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's, you know, I did yeah, that one episode a while really back, and then, you know, that actually psychopathy is something we're also wrapping our head around in terms of there are people who are on that spectrum. Mm -hmm. And actually, they, they can play a role. You got to be, you got to watch them like a hawk. Uh, but they, anyway, go yeah. on. I'm, I, I'm sorry. Am I, am I over normalizing psychopathy? Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> just because no, no, maybe maybe you haven't had to go head to head with psychopaths in your life much. Just Trump. Just Trump. Yeah, yeah Trump's Trump's toxic. I, I went narcissism. head to head with him for way too long. But yeah, yeah. toxic narcissism in the psychopath. I, I personally have had have had to deal with psychopaths. Um, evil has existence. You know, a human being hurting another human being for gratification, personal gratification is evil. You know, those people are scary as hell and, you know, need to be externally constrained and have brain damage. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, their brains literally are compromised in their mm -hmm. empathy circuits and their self-reflection mm -hmm. circuits yeah. and their pulse control. Yeah. But so, you know, Putin, you know, and, and by the way, you take somebody that, that has those, some of those, those characteristics and you give them the kind of power that Putin has, and then it amplifies it. And then, and, and then they start doing things like Trump did. They start blowing people up. Mm -hmm. if, if Trump didn't blow people up the first year, the, the power began to get to him and he found out he could blow people up and he started- Who did he blow up? Who did Trump blow up? He blew up that general for, in, in Iran, okay? Well, okay. Blew that guy up. And anyway, whoever was around that guy. Yeah. And we've been blowing people Trump. up. I mean, you know, if I if I you know I had to argue Trump's foreign policy was let's blow up fewer people. Well, I think that was than Obama. It was the one thing I liked about him. Also, he told his Secret Service guys because apparently he had a, a horror. You've seen this of being hit in the face with a pie like Bill Gates, and so he told his Secret Service guys, "If anybody has a pie, I want you to beat him up." You know? Yeah. No. No. He's you know. Yeah, he is. Anyway, he's uh, everybody's not defending uh, Trump. I'm just saying. I know, I know you're not. I know you're not defending, but man, and, and you're right about, you know, a psychopath that has a code, okay, dirty Harry, okay, so psychopath who has a code. I like that. Yeah, and now the problem with 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 that particular code is, dirty Harry. I'm sure if we've looked at all four or five movies. Some of the people that he killed probably didn't deserve to get killed. <laughs> I think he probably evolved in five movies, didn't he? Yeah, well, he did somewhat. <laughs> I mean, Just kidding. Yeah, no, so. probably, probably not. And, and, you know, clearly there's, um, you know, we can have this distinction of people who are literally brain damaged. I mean, if yeah. you think about the first of the, of, the, of the shooters was Charles Whitmer, I think was his name. He went to the University of Austin back in the 60s, went up to the bell tower. Yeah, the bell tower shot, guy. Uh, the co-eds, co you know, I don't know how many killed. But he, it turned out he had a brain tumor on his amygdala or something. Oh, and he had been um, trying to get help for months because he had these violent impulses. I mean, that would never happen today. People, or maybe it might very well happen today, but we have so much more in place where people can, uh, you know, if they, if they want help, they can find it. Uh, That's true. There was nothing and, then, nothing. And, and there's red, there's the red, you know, the the red flag uh, laws and stuff. Yeah. And you know, now now here here we go. Now we're beginning. I'm to talking about he was voluntarily helped me. I, I am and wasn't losing helped. control here. Yeah. And so that that brings us back to social democracy, where if somebody asks for help, you give them some help. Um, yeah. Now, now we're talking about remodeling our entire medical system and remodeling our entire social welfare system. And yeah, yeah. And sh sh yes, we have models where, where everybody's happier. You know, in, in gender, in accepting gender diversity, 
The Netherlands are number three in terms of the, the third best in the world. The United States isn't even in the top 40. The United States. And you know, this is where I, I think I suffer somewhat from being world centric. You know, it, it's easy for me to get pissed off at the United States and forget about the fact that the United States has a constitution that I have a great a lot of affection for. And, and in general, this is a great place to live, even though you're more likely to get shot here than pretty much any other place in the civilized world. Um, that, 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 I, I've, that I have to kind of work to have a healthy nationalism for the things about this country that I'm proud of, um, because I'm so focused on the things that piss me off. And, I, and if I forget about the things that I'm proud of, then I become uh, ineffective as an agent of social change. Um, and what, here's another thing that I'm proud of in this country. You know, everybody has their opinions about trans and about, and about gay and lesbian and, and everything, okay? But mostly, 90% of people in this country, if they're face-to-face -face with somebody that they, that they don't like that group, they'll be pretty nice to them and polite to them. And if that person, if they find that person by the side of the road with a flat tire in the middle of nowhere, they'll, they'll help them out. Yes. You know, you know, America is good. That Maybe that's a human thing, but I know it's an American thing. And I'm proud of that. I'm proud yeah, of when it gets to a personal level. It's like that. Hang on here. What, what part of do not disturb do you not understand? <laughs> But it's important. I'm important. I'm important enough to disturb you. I know. I have spam for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, Keith, it always, it's interesting, you know, because, you know, again, God bless us. Um, you, you, I mean, I come, I come, my roots are from the right. You know, I feel like I've been a tremendous uh, a traitor to my roots. Uh, but they're there. I get, I get that view. I do. And you come from the, you know, just sort of naturally. I come from the, the left. Yeah, the, the left. And there's the gratitude and the grievance story of America. Yeah. You know? right. And they're both true. They're both true. It's they're both all. true. And, Everybody and, gets and America is its own thing. America is its own country. We have this tremendously unique history. Um, and, you know, so does every culture in a way. And if you, if you, if you go back 100 or 200 years, show me the culture that was humane. Well, uh, also, I'm, show I'm me, open, but I don't know of one. Show me the culture in, the, in, in human history yes. that basically said to everybody else, it's not okay with us if you invade your neighbor. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm really proud of the totally. United States for that. Over, well, that was the way of things. That, that you know, in the last thirty years, a lot of the 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 peace of this 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 world is because they're scared that the United States will come kick your ass if you go you know take over this poor country next yes. to you. Yes. Now, listen, so let's bring it back to. to there's one thing I wanted know, to ask, and I wanted to ask you about this, okay? Because yes. you came from conservative roots, wanted to play with girls when you were a kid, and grew up discovering you were gay. In a culture that was was a homophobic culture, moving yeah. forward to the present moment, and they, that that culture really tried to take away your choice to be gay um, to a certain extent. If if you there was no to, choice, yeah, there's no choice. Yeah, so yeah, it was taken away, I guess. Yeah, and so that leading into now, women are not going to have the choice to have an abortion, or maybe 
trans kids are not going to have the choice to pursue their trans interests. Um, you know, how does that fit with your, your lived experience going through what you've gone through over the last 70 years? How does that? Yeah. Well, um, I, I, I think that they should have that choice is uh -huh. the bottom line. Yeah. Uh, and I think it should be a far more considered choice than it is in either case right now. Yeah, actually. there you go. And I think we've talked about that. I think yeah, that yeah. was part of the theme of this episode, if you will. Yeah. Is that um, bring way more consciousness into these decisions and you still, you have the right to make them. Um, and you know, now we're beginning to look at maybe a common value for the future yeah. for everybody. There you go. I'm on board. Yeah. Keep going. Well, the, the, that if the common value is if something, if something um, is going to have consequences that potentially are, are not good for you or for the culture, Mm -hmm. that, that there's a bar of evaluation and exploration. Now, I don't think that it necessarily has to be psychotherapy. You know, in California, they used to have a law that if you wanted to transition, you needed two years of psychotherapy. So a couple of guys came to me and they were in the, they were having hormonal, uh, uh, they could do hormonal treatment. And so they were, they had breasts and they were dressing as women, but they had to have their two years of therapy before they could do sex reassignment surgery. And, you know, both of them were in their, one was in their 50s, one was in his 40s. And, it, you know, that, I, we, we only had a few sessions because I don't want somebody, I don't want somebody coming to see me so that they can check off a box. Um, I did, I, it was a well-meaning law, but the law of saying you need to go into psychotherapy for two years before you get to make a decision as a grown-up person, psychotherapy really wasn't the right thing to mandate. Now, if they would have mandated, you need to take this course that we have on gender. We need to take this course on, on the pluses and minuses of hormonal treatment and, re, and, and sexual reassignment surgery. You need to talk to people that have done it and were happy with it. You need to talk to people that have done it that weren't happy with it. And after you jump through those hoops, after you raise that bar, then make your decision. Yeah. That would have been a much better law. But, you know, the, the, the California was trying to do something like that. Yeah. Totally. I think I think it's a stage I, in the path. So then I think that might be a common value in the future, yeah. perhaps something that would bond us together. In, in some ways, that gets to what I'm talking about: is you become more conscious of right. these decisions. But this is also a cultural thing that happens under its own power. Mm -hmm. uh, what has happened now in the last ten years—it's not that long—is this trans realization. It's a capital R realization of gender fluidity that I totally 100% approve of. Um, has come on, and, and of course it comes on with uh, fanaticism and it thinks it's, it's the only correct worldview. And so, you know, there's, there's a, so that's the thesis. There is now an antithesis arising to that. Of course, there's that just basic resistance to it, but there's also a considered. Um, yeah, there you a, go. A considered uh, antithesis, mm -hmm. which is just saying, hey, wait a minute. This is medical for the next, you know, you're going to live 100 years, you know, uh, uh, whatever. Um, and, and you're a kid also. I mean, we don't, there's things we don't let kids do that um, adults, and, and I think this is messy. I don't, you know, I, I don't know that there's one right answer to it. But the more 
that's in the culture, the more the culture's holding, the more that's on social media, the more kids are able to let both of these in, the more parents and clinicians and politicians are able to let both of these in, which is happening. I mean, it's happening at a breathtaking speed, Keith. It really is. I, yeah, I, I, I mean, I love not, that. Evolution is beautiful, but not pretty. I mean, and, and this Very is cool. like a perfect example of it. So there's, there's that. There's also this thing that I sort of play with is, you know, we have these uh, ages of consent or, you know, where, where you, you know, you can do things at a certain age that you can't. And I'm not sure we ought not add a new 25 or 26 to this. You know, like where you after that, cars. you're on your own. You can do whatever you want. You like can buy, Yeah, even guns. You know, it's like oh. under 25, you ought not be able to walk into, you know, what part of a well-regulated militia allows an, a, a kid on his 18th birthday fucking 18th birthday to walk into a gun store and get two automatic weapons. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> oh, that's oh, a yeah. plain reading of the Second Amendment. Is It's outrageous. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, whatever. Anyway, I just did another show on it. It's like, well, I, I know you did, and, I, and I'm glad that you did. And, <laughs> wow. here's, here's the thing that, you know, is true. There's two true things about the world. It's fucked up. Okay, good. And second, it's less fucked up than it's ever been. I agree with that. Both of those and, things are true. And that comforts me at the, in this age. Because yes. right now, it, it, I, I have a feeling that, it, and I've been saying this the last year, it's going to get worse before it gets better. And it has been getting worse. And I, and I have faith that it's going to get better. Um, but also, I think conversations like this are really important. Yeah. You know, it's... It's it's not and, to mention fun for the conversers. <laughs> I love you, Keith. Oh, you're my bro for way back, man. Yeah, I love you, Jeff. You know, you're my standard. Yeah. You know, I keep making air talking about social standards. I said, well, top of my social standards, how I feel when I hang out with you and when I hang out with Jeff. Yes, that's those are my those are those are my two. You know, like the highest I'm bar. Right back at you, man. And I like that we can not only friend our way forward, but we can fight our way forward. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. Um, that's fruitful. It matters to me. It, th this is an interesting dynamic with us. You know, if you disagree with me about something, my first, my first re reaction to that is I have a blind spot because I trust your judgment. And, you know, I've been right almost every time with that. There'll be, there'll be some part of Keith, you know, and it's an egoic part, you know, the part... Basically, th this is my fascist. You know, I got I got a lot of dirty, <laughs> dirty Harry was my favorite movie for years. It was my no, favorite. Mine was movie. Funny Girl. So th there you go. <laughs> and so the part of me that starts getting hostile and that kind of stuff, you know, I go, "That's Keith. That's your Dirty Harry." You know, remember what that means. Yeah. Well, you just described the war of development. Yeah. Every worldview just it's just self-evidently true that yeah. this is the way things are and and where are you coming from what the fuck's wrong with you yeah. uh and you're a threat to me and i demonize your worst behaviors and i justify my own and mm -hmm. uh, you know welcome to the war of development well, this is one of the great things about working with couples you know forever whatever thirty thousand sessions um, it's always like that with couples. You know, a couple comes in. It's always, it's always like, you know, she's wrong, I'm right. He's, he's wrong, I'm right. Um, it, it's, 
And he's not yeah. only wrong, he's bad, he must be stopped, he's evil, he must be eliminated. You know, there's a whole yeah. cascade, it's not hard to do. Oh God, I can't. And we do I it culturally can't. too. Oh God, yeah, 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 yeah. a million times. And you know, my job, my job is to understand the beautiful, good and true of each one of them and then weave it together with, with them into a shared understanding. And you know, people who want to do it will, can always get there. You know, oh. if somebody doesn't want to do it, they can't. But you know, both people want to do it, they can always well, get there. I think let's transfer that to the culture. I think that's true with the culture too. When yeah. we get to this integration where we can accept the best of each and have this new synthesis and integration, but do we want to? It's like your couples. Well, I'm trying, yes no. I, am, I am really trying to do that with conservative core values. I really Good. am. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm, and you help with that. Um, uh, and, and also not trusting my own, like I, 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 I listen to my outrage, but I don't quite trust it. Um, oh, and, man, that's well said. I, I, I like that. Yeah, I mean, in, in, in sort of not just outrage, but everything. I mean, all my reactions. Yeah. Uh, all my self-evidently true principles. Yeah. Um, except for, and I always love this, from another one from Scott Peck. He said, you know, this line that you often hear, all great truths are truths whose opposite is also a great truth. And oh. he said, except for one exception. And that is that love makes the world go round. <laughs> and that's, you know, if you, you know, in all of the consternation, try to find the, the part that's loving, you know. I, I completely agree. You know, at the core of all the work I've done and all the psychotherapy and all the books and everything, the core of that is that love heals. That's it. That's the organizing principle of my life, really. Yes. Um, it's, 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 and I have, there's, there's a lot of data around it, but I don't need the data. I have, I have great faith that love heals. Yeah. Well, why don't we stop with that? Today? Oh my God. I feel healed. At this <laughs> moment. Well, and now I do. I actually <laughs> literally do. So thank you. <laughs>